Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We can all have moments where we lose sight of what you know reality is. We lose sight that Jesus is the Lord and he's not there to serve me, but I'm here to serve him. We, we can all have those moments and God will deal with us and he'll convict us and he'll cause us to come to our senses and we realize. But when we're in danger is when that's just where we are. We are entrenched in that. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 8, verses 5 through 25, in a message titled, The Unconverted Convert. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So the passage that we looked at, as you can see there, the the gist of it is about this man, Simon, there in the city of Samaria. And Simon is really a picture of an unconverted convert. That's kind of a, 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 a contradiction, but we see with Simon that that can be reality. And maybe you have even known somebody like that. I, I certainly have over the years. I've seen many people who have seemingly come to faith in Christ in as much as they have, you know, perhaps responded to an invitation and gone forward at an altar call. Maybe they've, you know, repeated the sinner's prayer. But yet, as you, as you watch, they don't really seem to have any desire for spiritual things. They, they don't really have a desire to, to get plugged into the church. They don't really have much of an appetite for the word of God. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a reluctance to pray. They're happy that they're saved, but they kind of just want to get on with life as usual. And, you know, when you, when you have a situation like that, you wonder like, well, well what is going on here? I, I've had... Many people say this to me over the years, or something like this. Well, you know, so-and-so, my, my friend or my relative, you know, you know, I know they're saved, but they just don't really walk with the Lord. So what is that? I mean, how, how are you saved and not really walking with the Lord? Is that even a possibility? Well, I, I think what we ought to probably for the most part understand about a situation like that is that we have there, like I said, an unconverted convert. And Simon, in the story here, he is exactly that. So he is a person who, although he's a little bit different in as much as he, he's attracted to what's happening, he has an interest in spiritual things, but as we look at the story, we see that his interests are all for the wrong reason. So he, he's not interested in these spiritual things because he's recognized he's a sinner in need of a savior, and he's really you know, humbled himself before Christ, and he's surrendered his life. That's not what's happening with Simon. Simon is very attracted to what's happening, but he's attracted because of the power. And he wants to get in on this power here. So his interests are self-centered and motivated by his own ambition. 
Jesus for Simon is a means to an end. And listen, it, the, he's not the only one that has approached the faith like that. Simon, as well as others, have, have looked to Jesus to promote and, and to glorify themselves. So in the end, with Simon, for sure, and others as well, what you really have is a seeming conversion that was really no conversion at all. And so that's what we want to give our attention to today. We wanna to look at the lessons that we can draw from the, the story here of Simon. So here's this man, Simon. And in verses nine through 13, we're told about him. There was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. So notice as we look at Simon, number one, he practiced sorcery. This guy was a bona fide, like a, how would we understand it? He's like a warlock. He's a, he's a guy who has genuine spiritual power. Now, the spiritual power he has is not the power of God, even though he had deceived the people into thinking that was the power of God. This guy was empowered by demonic forces. So there's no dispute about whether he had the power. He definitely had the power. So he would be a person who practiced witchcraft, basically and uh, trafficked with demons and, and received supernatural powers from the demonic world. It says about him that he claimed that he was someone great. So we see that he was um, not a humble guy at all. He was very arrogant, claimed himself that, that he was someone great. But then he, he had the supernatural power that sort of supported his claim. And so it says about the people of Samaria that he had put them under his spell. So that's the picture here. Now, not like he you know, literally cast a spell upon them. Maybe he did. But it was through these demonic powers that, that he exercised supernatural things. And this brought the people under his authority. So the local leader of the occult in the community, the warlock, if you will, this guy appears now to be saved. He listens to Philip. He sees the, the miraculous power and, you know, he raises his hand. So I, I want to say the sinner's prayer. I mean, they didn't say the sinner's prayer back then, but that, you know, that would have been what it was like. And then when there was the call for baptism, Simon, he went forward and he submitted himself to baptism. And so it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, what they must have thought in the city of Samaria at the time. There was obviously all kinds of excitement at what was happening, but man, can you believe it? The guy who's, you know, the leader of the occult in the community, he's now a Christian. He's, he's one of us. And that kind of news would bring excitement to any of us, right? You know, we hear the story about some notorious sinner or some you know, famous person or especially somebody who maybe was the, 
you know, the leader of a false religion. We, we hear the story of somebody like that coming to Christ. Man, that's exciting. That, wow, that is so great. And so that would have been the, the vibe uh, among the people at the time. There would have been a great excitement about Simon's conversion. But the problem is he wasn't really converted. Even though it seemed like it, yet as we go on in the story, we find that there are problems with Simon. So verses 18 through 24, we read this. So when Simon, when he saw, well, the apostles, back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, they came down, they prayed for the people that they might be empowered by the Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, and then they laid hands on them. And when they did this and the Spirit was imparted, Simon saw that and he then offered them money. So basically, Simon says to Peter, he says, sell me this power so that I too can do this. Now remember, he previously had power, but he's impressed by Philip's power. Philip's power is greater than his power. And now he's like, how can I get this power? And so he thinks that he can purchase it. Sell me this power, he says to Peter, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But listen, verse 20, Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. And so Peter discerns that things aren't right with Simon. And, and of course, the dead giveaway was let me buy this power. So, so Peter recognized immediately that even though he had gone through all of these outward signs of conversion, that really his heart was not changed. And he was still seeking his own glory. He was still looking to have power over other people. And Peter said that it was all due to the fact that his heart was not right in the sight of God. He was poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So Peter discerns his heart. Peter says, you're poisoned by bitterness and you're bound by unrighteousness. And then he says to Simon, repent. Now this is important because I think it's good for us to realize that even a guy like this who is an you know, not, he's not genuinely converted, as we're going to see in a second. He, you know, his motives are all wrong in coming to Jesus. But yet, I think a thing that's interesting, and it's, it's good because it's hopeful, uh, Peter doesn't say, all right, that's it. Sorry, you know, you had your one chance, and now your history. Peter calls him to repent. And he says that, you know, if, if he can repent, God can forgive him of this evil. And Simon's response then is pray for me. Now, 
what we want to get to here now is what, what is the application of this for us? What do we learn from this story? And there are three things that I want us to see. Number one, it is possible to have an outward religious experience, but your heart remains bound in sin. That is a very real possibility. And we, we see it with Simon, but Simon's not the only one that we see it with. Jesus said to the Pharisees in his day, he says, regarding them, he, he actually said to them, he said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So it's entirely possible to have an outward facade of being a true believer. But the fact of the matter is the, the heart is disengaged from a, a real relationship with God. And all of us have to be aware that that, that is a possibility. Now, I have to confess that th when I think about that, that's, that's rather frightening. You know, it causes us to have to stop and just sort of make sure, like, you know, what is, is my faith genuine? Is my relationship with the Lord real? Or am I just going through some religious motion here, but, but there's no corresponding reality in my heart? That's the thing. Remember what Peter said. He said, your heart is not right in the sight of God. And it's the heart that God is primarily interested in. Man looks on the outward appearance, the Bible tells us, but God looks at the heart. And what true Christianity is, is it's a change of the heart. The heart changes, and then outwardly, transformation takes place. But like I said, you can go through the religious motions. You can you know, respond to an invitation. You can say a prayer. You can even get baptized, but that doesn't necessarily, although it certainly can, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that there's a salvation. The, the question really comes down to the heart. So that's number one. That is a, a real possibility. Secondly, what we see with Simon is that he's seeking to use Jesus to fulfill or to promote his own agenda. That's really what's happening here. And Simon's not the only person who has done this, as I have said. Many others have sought to use Jesus to promote or, and fulfill their own agenda. But any attempt to do that is doomed to failure because Jesus will not be co-opted into our plans. You see, it doesn't work that way, although people think it does. Many people have, have thought to you know, bring Jesus on board so he could help them get their agenda accomplished. That's just the way Simon thought as well. And yet it doesn't work that way. In the Gospel of John, at the very end of the second chapter, it says this, and it might be a bit shocking to you, but listen, it says this. It said, when they saw the miracles, this is talking about the people, when they saw the miracles that Jesus performed, it says that many believed in him when they saw the signs, which he did. But listen, it says, but Jesus did not believe in them. That's the literal translation. English says Jesus did not commit himself to them, but it's really Jesus did not believe in them. Why? It says because he knew all people and he knew what was in them. In other words, he knew that their interest in him was based upon what he could do for them. So Jesus is great, 
He performs miracles. We can, we can have a miracle. So they didn't want him. They wanted the things they could get from him. And this is a real issue and a real problem within the church. There are people that want what they can get from Jesus. They don't want Jesus. And sometimes, unfortunately, ministries create an atmosphere for that kind of problem to be even more pronounced because that's, that's kind of the way they, they present the, the whole message of Jesus. It's like, you know, Jesus is going to do all of these things for you, so come to Jesus so you can get all of these things done. Now, listen, yes, Jesus is going to do things for us. The main thing he's going to do for us is forgive our sins and deliver us from eternal damnation. And, of course, he's, he's going to save us and he's going to bless us uh, spiritually, but there's no guarantee in coming to Jesus that, you know, suddenly I'm going to, I'm poor and now I'm going to be rich. But sometimes that's how it's presented. You know, come to Jesus and he'll make you rich. Or I'm sick and I'm going to be healthy. Come to Jesus and, you know, he'll make you healthy. Or I'm a criminal and I'm going before the judge. And now that I'm a Christian, the judge is just going to throw my case out and everything's going to be fine. No, you might very well be going to prison. Jesus will go with you, but you're going to go. <laughs> but that story oftentimes is not told. And that's the truth of the matter. So we have to be very, very clear. Now, of course, Philip was clear in his message. The problem was not with Philip's message. The problem was with Simon's heart. Simon was about himself and about his kingdom, not about the kingdom of Christ. And the thing that we need to finally no, clearly, is that we come to Jesus on his terms, not ours. That's how we come to Jesus, truly. If we, if we, if we try to come on our terms, then we don't come. We don't come in the sense like, like we read there in John. They believed in Jesus, but they were coming on their terms. Jesus didn't believe on them because they weren't meeting his terms. So what are the terms that I come to Jesus on? Well, I come to Jesus on the terms that I need his mercy and I need his forgiveness of my sins. That's what I'm coming to him for. And I'm coming to him on the terms of humbly submitting myself to him so that his plan and his purpose can now be worked out in my life versus I'm coming to him so that he can help me get my agenda accomplished. So... Again, what we need to know is that Jesus just, he simply will not be co-opted. He won't. I mean, he, he's God. And so, you know, we might be able to manipulate people. We might be able to use people. You know, we seem like we're sincere, but we're actually using them to benefit ourselves. We can do that with people, but we can't do that with the Lord because he simply won't cooperate. He's God. And so he calls us to come to him on the basis of our need for a savior because we are sinners. And that is, unfortunately, at least as far as we know, that was the, the mistake that Simon made. Simon was impressed, but 
he wasn't impressed with his own sin and his own need for a savior. He was impressed with the power and he thought maybe he could get that power for himself. And so we have to, all of us, like I said, it's, it's a sobering kind of a thing to even think about this, but all of us, we have to at times just stop and you know, evaluate where we're at. Now, now let me say that you know, even as a Christian, I can certainly have times where my motives are all mixed and messed up. Doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not a Christian. Just means that I got to deal with with my motives. So, so I don't want to give the impression that you know, if anybody's ever had a mixed motive, that well, that means that you're not really saved. We can all have moments where we we lose sight of what you know reality is. We lose sight that Jesus is the Lord. And he's not there to serve me, but I'm here to serve him. We, we can all have those moments. And, and God will deal with us and he'll you know, convict us and he'll cause us to come to our senses and we realize. But when we're in danger is when that's just where we are. We are entrenched in that. And we have the outward appearance of being a believer but we even know that deep in our hearts that we're driven primarily by selfish ambition. We're driven mainly by seeking our own agenda and our own glory. And that's the kind of stuff that needs to be dealt with. That's, that, that, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be repented of. Because uh, Simon, again, at the end of the day, because we don't know what finally happened, we'd have to look at him as the unconverted convert. So he looks like a convert, but he's not really converted. Because conversion means a change of heart. Peter says, your heart is not right in the sight of God. That was the problem. So the question that we have to address today is, our heart right in the sight of God? Are we just going through these motions? Are we pretending because we're, we're looking for some kind of personal advantage through this religious thing that I'm doing. But, but my heart's never really been changed. Thank God he's continually gracious. And even if that's where we are, and even if we've been there maybe for a long time, God's still merciful and he gives us the opportunity to get that right. But let's not miss that opportunity today. And because, as I mentioned earlier, I've seen many, many times throughout many years, I've seen this kind of thing over and over again. I don't want to assume that that's not maybe happening with somebody here today. I would love to assume that, no way, there's nothing like that among us. But the truth of the matter is, there very well could be. So if this is resonating with you, as uncomfortable as it might be. I mean, you know, it's really an uncomfortable thing to have to come to grips with where you're really at sometimes. But you know, God only shows us these things so he can in turn bless us. God wounds us so he can heal us. God knocks us down, but then he picks us back up. And that's sometimes what a message like this does. It hits us right between the eyes because we realize, man, that's me. But the good news is that there's mercy and there's grace. 
And God's desire, like Peter said to Simon, is repent, change, get it right, be sincere, forget your agenda, it doesn't matter. Just yield yourself unreservedly to Christ and get on board with his plan because that's the best plan and that's the plan that's going to go on forever. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. The youth of today's culture, both Christian and non-Christian alike, wrestle with the issues of racism, universal truth, identity, science and faith, sexuality and suffering, just to name a few. These are essential topics that any parent, grandparent, guardian or friend should help the next generation answer. The book, 10 Questions That Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.